America. My name is I'm Yosef Pimpong, and I come to you live every Friday. Now, I'm coming to you live very, very, very early Friday morning because I'm taking the family and I'm skipping town for a week or so, and I want to give you enough kind of wisdom to chew on in my absence so that you feel satiated in your diet, lest you squander your life eating less nourishing meals intellectually. Right? So... I come to you live, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about gender and work and how we've gotten a lot of it confused. And we're confused about a lot of things. I clarify them for you, and for that, you give me your thanks, and you live better, more meaningful lives. <clears throat> um, so I will get to, I don't want to bury the lead. There's a wonderful article that came out of a Greenville newspaper uh, in 1918, and uh, it was about a city ordinance that mandated that black women go to work. Mandated that black women go to work. Because it turns out that when their husbands were fighting in World War I, they would get a pension, <clears throat> be sent to the wives, and some of the wives, would you believe, would rather you know, watch the kids at home rather than go to someone else's house and cook and clean and watch their kids. So... Um, White women weren't having that. Ms. Ann wanted her maid back and, you know, talked to her husband and, and made some phone calls. You can find, just put that, put that um, title in the Google. You can find the whole article. And Ms. Ann wanted her maid back. And <coughs> so the city passed an ordinance saying that, like, Negro women go back to work for your pennies for your horrible bosses, for your horrible white lady bosses. And so what does this mean for how we think about work? Well, we're currently in a moment where businesses are saying, like, well, our workers don't want to come back for, uh, you know, the pennies we're paying them, and it's because the workers are lazy. Or rather, you know, they don't want to go back for the pennies you're paying them. If you pay them more, they'll come back. I said what I said. All right, so the workers uh, aren't going back. And what's interesting is that's happening at the low, lower level. At the upper level, the upper third, the people who actually uh, decide American culture, those white-collar workers are like, yeah, I don't mind. I hated commuting. I didn't know how much I hated commuting until I had to do, like, until I was actually at home. And now that I've refit my home to, uh, for Zoom, it turns out that I could be just as productive at home, so I'd rather be at home. Thank you. Uh, so that's what is going on in white-collar America, and that's what's interesting because they, they control stuff, right? So <laughs> the norms around work are shifting in a very interesting way, and I, and I, want, and I, and I want to bring a little bit um, to talk about this with respect to gender, right? So you have to understand, this is patriarchal America. This is, this is Greenville, South of Carolina. This... What does it mean, right? What does it mean that to be a black woman is to be state mandated to work outside of the home and to be a white woman is to almost to not be allowed or to be stigmatized for working outside of the home? Well, what it means is that there is no universal womanhood. So the feminists are just full of shit. There is no deracialized woman. There is no deracialized woman. There are black women and there are white women, but there are no just general women. The people who think there are general women are usually upper class people who um, want to pretend that they have something in common with poor women across the world when they don't. 
There is nothing you haven't, there's nothing meaningful you have in common with like some poor woman in India. So if you think that like there's some sort of sisterhood, this is the sisterhood. One set of women as women being expected to work for the other set of women as women who are expected to not work. Right? So unless you understand that like everything you understand about gender is already racialized and classed, then you don't understand gender and you don't want to understand gender. You know, I said this before and I get into trouble with some black feminists who, because I, you know, I think I'm right about this. When black feminists actually lean on their gender for gender advocacy and the sisterhood of all women, what they're really doing is like is a class grab. Right? It's a class aspiration to have white woman problems. If you're a black woman and you like and you're talking about white woman problems as if they're all the same kind of problems, then you are trying to actually like distance yourself from blackness. I said what I said. <laughs> there are a lot of grifts going on about that, but there is no, there is no, and the same thing was men. Like, uh, so the Chetty study, the, uh, the study on racial uh, inequality and wealth inequality, uh, just put in Chetty, racial wealth gap, the study will come up. It came out about three years ago from this guy at Harvard and Stanford, a, a dual study, said that pretty much it's the men, right? So white men make a lot of money, black men pull down entire black communities because they're, one, resource unstable, and, um, and they don't make any money, right? So, and when they do, when they are working, it's, it's, they don't make any money, right? So like the American, Wealth gap is determined by the gap between black and white. The racial wealth gap is determined by the gap between white and black men. White and black women, uh, if you adjust for education and all that stuff, they're, they're the same, right? White and black men, if you adjust for education and all that stuff, pulls everyone apart. So you marry a white guy, you get a balloon. You marry a black guy, you get an anchor. Marrying me is a liability. You know, I told my wife this very clearly. The better for worse, richer for poor things might happen because I might get fired from time to time. By the way, if you appreciate anything I do, and I think you should, go ahead and scoot on over to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in $5, 15 $50 a month because I have bills to pay. Um, and the pandemic's been a bit of a... a bit of, been a bit of a job. <laughs> for uh, been a bit of a it cost our family income a little bit. So if you appreciate I do go ahead anything I do go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in five fifteen or fifty dollars a month and I'll just kind of keep doing what I do uh, and, and help you not squander your life. Right. So once again, black women were told as women as black women go to work. White women, by the same patriarchal system that tells white women, as women, stay home and order around black women. And we will make black women work for you. Right? So this whole idea that there's this a universal womanhood is trash. Just like there's the whole idea that there's a universal manhood. It's trash. It's, it's like our gender comes through, it's been affected by settler colonialism. Right? Also, there's, there's fascinating um, uh, literature out there about like even things we know about the Indian caste system is actually has more to do with the British colonial system. 
than actual like you know thousand year old cast. I'm like, no, 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 that's not. <laughs> Excuse me. It's more complicated than that. Um, there's a book called Cast of India by. Uh, I want to say his name is Burks, Nicholas Burks. Anyway, um, so these things we know about gender are a product of settler colonialism. It's not about us because these are the same gender entitlements that, like I said, will, as a matter of patriarchy, force black women to work outside of their home and, as a matter of patriarchy, say that white women shouldn't be expected to work outside of their home. Right? And, and once again, it's the same. there is no universal manhood Black men, there's nothing that black men and white men have in common. I don't, like, that just becomes more and more obvious to me. Um, like, the more I study and the more I age, and like, there's just very little that black men and white men have in common as men. Like, we don't think of any, like, there's nothing, there's, no. <laughs> and anyone who thinks there is, like, is posing. And just like there's very little that black women and white women have in common as women. And anyone who thinks there is is just kind of posing. Like white women need black women to give them moral credibility because white womanhood's trash. A lot of it's like that. And, and black women are like kind of, unfortunately is the case, I think kind of glom onto feminism as a, a, a viable power grab because once again, if you could pitch yourself as having white woman problems, that's completely different than anything you have as black women problems um, as women, right? So it's not just that you add, how do I explain this? All right, so intersectionality, the Kimberly Crenshaw version, will tell you that you know these properties are additive, right? To be a woman is bad and to be black is bad, so to be a black woman is to be doubly bad. What, <coughs> what I'm arguing is that no, the properties are not additive. They're, not, they're chemical, right? They, 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 they have different properties based on the, the numbers of electrons and, and protons, right? Like the, 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 the particles, like what it is to be a thing behaves differently um, because of the features. It's not just uh, mechanical or additive. And so what that means is what it is to be, there is no thing, there is no womanhood that's not raced. There is no womanhood. This like there is no masculinity that's not raced. Because like a lot of these gender ideologies came up to reproduce standing racial and social hierarchies around work and authority. Right? So there is no um yeah, there is no that's there is no that's not raced. That's not, that's not, there is no gender identity that's not, that didn't come in order to, to serve a different sort of hierarchy, right? So to think about gender as an independent variable that doesn't depend on um, race or even class is to get confused about um, does patriarchy force women to work or does patriarchy force women not to work? And the answer is both, depending on the women. But those are completely opposite, like, those are completely opposite uh, determinations based on the same patriarchal structure. So what patriarchy is, is really a family game that's, like, against everybody who's not, in, who's in the out group. That's what you know, right? 
So I, I hope this was clear about uh, how gender and work figure in to our struggles and why maybe, you know, once we fix gender, you could still have gender equality and racial and class inequality in ways that are, that are striking, right? If you, just, if you just have more women doing what we have men do, right? You can still have gender equality and race and class inequality. But if you actually get serious about fixing the race and the class game and like think about, rethink about how we do with work and how we deal with the racial hierarchy um, in terms of public authority and, and public authority, then what you know about gender is going to be completely different. It's going to be massively, it's going to be almost unrecognizable. Our gender commitments come out of what it takes to reproduce certain non-gender social hierarchies. So gender is overdetermined by things that are not have anything to do with sex, which is why gender commitments look differently depending on your social position. The gender commitments of black women like are like go to work or be jailed, and the gender commitments of white women are like, well, you know, stay at home. And white women are fighting for the right to work, and there's a way in which black women are fighting for the right to like, like, you know, stay at home. Maybe because maybe watching your own kids is the work is 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 pretty cool, and maybe you shouldn't maybe if you're gonna watch somebody else's kids, you should be paid more than the pennies that white women were paying. So one other thing about this is there's a great piece in Angela Davis's um, Women, Race, and Class. By the way, that is a fantastic book. Angela Davis, uh, Women, Race, and Class. And it's, it's one of my favorite books. But she, uh, she is talking about um, you know, black women domestic workers. Because you have to understand that 75% of the labor force in the South up until the 50s was 75% uh, of the black labor force were farm workers and domestic workers. Like, <laughs> that was what we did. We weren't allowed to do a lot of other things, right? So um, Davis, uh, in this piece, she's talking about how, uh, you know, white women were pretty, you know, bad bosses, right? So. As Angela Grimke had declared in her The Appeal to the Christian Women of the South, white women did not challenge the institution of slavery, bore a heavy responsibility for its inhumanity. In the same vein, and this is what's important, the Domestic Workers Union exposed the role of, black mid of, of middle class housewives in the oppression of black domestic workers. And you like the juxtaposition of middle class and black? So anybody who is fighting for the middle class, that's really white identity politics. Um, in a way that's not obvious. Maybe I can do a whole show on how middle class politics is white identity politics. I will do that. I'll do that show once I get back from, let me write my notes. I'll do that show once I get back. Anyway, so um, the Domestic Workers Union admits that the housewife stands condemned as the worst employer in the country. Mind you. We're talking about like factories and, and all of these things. Like the, the, the middle class housewife is the worst employer in the country. Um, you're, very, you're vulnerable in a way that you're not in, in a factory environment. So just, you know, worse than the coal miners. What does that mean? All right. 
I'm sure that your grandma's and my own uh, great grandma has stories about how that might just be the case in many ways. And um, thank you for your time. And I will talk to you when I get back from, you know, the family, the family outing. Take care. Bye.